Ephesians chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 13 is where we find ourselves tonight. Reads this way. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, You who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Father, we come to you and we ask that through your spirit you would continue to massage our hearts about the reality of Easter and the reality of the resurrection and the reality of going from death to life. And so we ask you that you would continue to be among us, and we know you will. And we ask that you would reveal in us those areas of life that we need to change. So meet with us, and we thank you that you will. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Easter's about resurrection. That may be new to you. For many of us, it probably isn't. But Easter is about resurrection. And in the first century, the Apostle Paul writes a letter to a community of Jesus followers living in the city of Ephesus. And he writes this letter specifically to encourage and to challenge and to strengthen them in their journey with Jesus. Because living in the city of Ephesus back in the first century, if you were a Jesus follower living in that city, it would not be easy for you to follow Jesus in that city. It would be difficult Part of the reason is because in that city, and you can read about it in Acts 19, there's paganism, there's selfishness, there's demon possession, there's riots, there's persecution, um, there's prostitution, there's religious prostitution, there's religious confusion. Ephesus was a difficult place to live if you were a follower of Jesus. It was not easy to follow Jesus in that city. And it would be easy for you and for me to let the brokenness in which we live defeat us. 
to live as we were, not as we are. To live as we were, not as we are as the church, as followers of Christ. And Paul knows this, so he opens his letter to this church in Ephesus and to the churches in the surrounding area. And he, in chapter 1 of Ephesians, he reminds them of what they have in Christ. He reminds them of what they have in Christ in chapter 1. And he's trying to encourage them. And he's saying, I know that the brokenness is real. And I know it's not easy to follow Jesus. And I know it's easy to, to let the, the brokenness defeat you and find you discouraged. But remember what you have because of Christ, he says in chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, he moves into reminding them who they are in Christ. Chapter 1 is about this is what you have in Christ. Chapter 2 is this is who you are in Christ, he says. And so he writes this letter to encourage them, reminding them these things. And he reminds them of their present position in Christ. But he knows that for them to fully appreciate their present position in Christ, they need to understand their past condition without Christ. So he opens chapter 2, reminding them, saying, this was who you were. This was your past condition, church. And then he moves from reminding them of their past condition to their present position. And that's what we want to look at tonight. And he understands that, listen, what you need, what you received was life, he says. What they received was life. And he reminds them of their past condition, that they were dead, that they were in need of life. They were in need of resurrection. That's what they were in need of. They were in need of life. And he starts out in chapter 2 and he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed, it's all past tense, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So he's referencing this. This isn't who they are right now. This is who they were. This is who they were. It's their past condition. Unless you think Paul is picking on them, in verse 3 he says, all of us, the entire human race, this is our condition. This is our condition. All of us, the human race, this is our story. No one is exempt, but it can be your past story. It doesn't have to be your present story. This can be your past story. Well, what was their past condition? He says, they were dead. You were dead. And I I saw this recently. Someone, I read it somewhere where darkness is not the opposite of light. It's the absence of light. And I loved that. And I thought, you know, death is not the opposite of life. It's the absence of life. And this is what they, this is who they were. They were dead. They had no life. Spiritually speaking, that's what he's saying. Although they were physically alive, moving around, walking around, spiritually in their relationship with God, they were dead. This is who they were. Well, where were they dead? They were dead in their sins, in their transgressions, in this big ocean of sin. They were dead in that big ocean of sin. That's where they were. They were dead in their transgressions and sins. Wasn't others Sin, it was their sin. You're dead in your transgressions and sins. And then he says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. And if you're 
dead in that realm. You know nothing else. You're being held captive by your sin. This is who you were, church. That's what Paul is writing to to them and telling them, this is who you were. You were dead in this realm of sin, following the ways of the world and following the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And the scriptures tell us that the ruler of the kingdom of the air is God's arch enemy, Satan himself. And so here you were, and here I was, and here the Ephesian church was. They were dead in their sin, following the ways of the world, following God's arch enemy, Satan. They were following him, and then he says, you were objects of wrath. Objects of wrath. Because of our sin, we rejected God, trying to figure it out on ourselves, and we can't. We're dead. But we're trying to figure it out somehow, trying to give ourselves life. And he, and he says, you can't. As a result of your rebellion against God, you're an object of God's wrath. You're an object of God's judgment, everlasting judgment, separate from God forever in hell, the scriptures teach. You see, for there to be good news, how can good news be good unless we understand that there's bad? And all of us, Paul says, and this chair represents their past condition. They're objects of God's eternal judgment in hell, dead in the realm of sin, following Satan, following the ways of the world. And then later on in verse 12, he says this. He says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. And it's all past tense. He's saying you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. They were separate from Christ, not part of God's family. They weren't God's children. We're not all God's children. In this chair. We're separate from God's people. We're objects of God's just judgment for our sin. We're dead in our sin. Excluded from the the fellowship of God. We're without hope, he says in verse 12. We're without God in the world. Although we're in the world, we're without God. This is who we were, he says to the church. And then he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away... The scriptures tell us that being far away is being alienated from God because God is a holy, just God. And God in the presence of holiness cannot be in the presence of sin. And we're dead in sin. We're without Christ. We're without God. We're without hope. We're an object of God's just judgment, separated from him forever in hell, and we're dead. And we can't give ourselves life. No matter how hard we try, no matter how hard you try, You can't give yourself life. Why? You're dead in sin. And this is who we were. And for some of you tonight, this is your present condition. This isn't your past condition. This is your present condition. And you came in tonight, and what I'm describing for you is exactly how you're feeling inside, exactly what your heart is telling you. You know you're separate from God. You know there's a longing inside you that just hasn't been able to be satisfied, and you know that that longing is really your relation, desire for relationship with God. You were, your heart was made to be in relationship with God, and yet you're dead in this realm of sin, and this is your present condition tonight. And you need life. You need resurrection. You need to be raised. And we needed resurrection. 
But for those of you, this is your present condition. It can become your past condition. Just like it did for the Ephesian church. This doesn't have to be the end of your story. It wasn't the end of the story for the Ephesian church. But he says, without Christ, without God, you have no hope. This is who you are. But it can become who you were. Because he goes on and he says, listen, here is your past condition. And I liken it to a couple, about a week ago, some families, we went up to the Garden of Hope in Covington. I don't know if you've ever been up there. I would encourage you to go. Because up there on the top of this hill, there's a replica of the tomb of Christ. And a few families, we went up there and we did the tour and everything. And we all, about 20 of us or so, got into the tomb, this replica of the tomb. And inside that tomb, it was dark. It was cold. And there was some light, but imagine that there's no light. For some of you, that's your present condition. You're in the tomb, dead, needing life. But that can be your past condition tonight. And then Paul moves on to remind them of their present position. That is not who they are anymore. It's who they were. They moved from not raised to raised. And he goes on to tell them. He makes this contrast. And he says, verse 4, but because of his great love. And he's contrasting there. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. You see, if you're dead, spiritually dead, you can't give yourself life. What you need is an eternal living God to breathe life into you. That's what you need. That's what all of us need and needed. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up. So Paul's making this contrast. He's saying, here was your past condition, but that's not who you are anymore. This is your present position. And your present position is this. You are loved by the God of the universe. He has lavished his his love on you, he tells us in Romans 5. And he continues to lavish this love on you. And he's lavished his rich mercy on you. You're a receiver of God's mercy. You're a receiver of God's love, he tells us in verse 4. You are alive tonight. If you sit here, you are alive. Although you may be living in a world of brokenness, you are alive. You are alive. And that's what the Ephesians were. He's saying, you guys, you're alive. You're not this anymore. This is who you are. Although you may be walking and living in a big world that's all about this, that's not who you are. This is you. This is who you are. You are loved by God. You're a receiver of God's amazing mercy. And he made us alive with Christ. Over here, you're without Christ. Over here, you're with Christ. Over here, you're without God. Over here, you're with God. Over here, you're without hope. Here, you have hope. And he makes this contrast. Here's your past condition. Here's your present position. He's saying you're saved. Over here you were held captive in this realm of sin. Over here you've been rescued, set free, forgiven. No longer in that realm of sin. Instead, you are seated with him in the heavenly realms, it says. That's powerful. So often, you and I, we live as the church. We live in this, don't we? 
And we, we, so much so that we think this is who we are anymore. But that's not who we are. This is us. This is the church fully lavished on by God's love, lavished on by his mercy, seated with Christ, with Christ, with God, with hope. This is who you are, church. Because of his great love. And in verse 13, Paul says, you were over here far away, but now you've been brought near. You've been brought near. You've gone from not raised to raised, from death to life before God. And this is your present position. So what makes the difference? What makes the difference? How does someone, how did the Ephesian church go from not raised to raised? How did they go from following the ways of the world, following Satan, an object of God's wrath, eternally separated from God in hell, to seated with Christ in the heavenlies? What happened? How did that, what, what, what changed? How do you go from not raised to raised? Paul tells us. He reminds them. Verse 13 He says, but now, present, before he's talking about their past, and he's saying, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. How? Through the blood of Christ. You've been brought near through the blood of Christ, he says. You see, Paul reminds them that for us and for that church, the people in Ephesus, they went from not raised to raised because they put their faith and their lives and their confidence in Christ's redemption and Christ's resurrection. They put their confidence and their faith and their lives in Christ's redemption and Christ's resurrection. He says, you've gone from far away to near, without God to with Christ, through Christ's blood on the cross. Look at chapter 1 of Ephesians. Again, reminding them of what they have, he says in verse 7, he says, in Christ we have redemption. How? Through his blood, through the blood of Christ on the cross. You see, you go from here to here through Good Friday. Good Friday, remembering the cross of Christ. Remember Christ and his blood shed. How do you go from not raised from dead to life? You go through Good Friday. You go through the cross. You look to Jesus and how his blood was shed because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. You and I were dead. We can't give ourselves life. Only the one who is the eternal life giver can give us life. And he made that available to us when he died on the cross and shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be set free from the captivity of sin. And they believed that. They received that forgiveness of sins. Look at verse 13 of chapter 1. Well, what happened? He says, and you also were included in Christ. You went from not raised to raised. How? When you heard the word of the truth, when you heard the good news, how Jesus Christ came, took the payment for your sin on the cross, the gospel of your salvation, he says, and then having believed, you were marked in him with the seal. So they heard the good news that Jesus Christ and his death on the cross was the redemption, was the payment paid to set them free from their sin, and they believed that. They believed that Jesus was the one that had paid the payment for their sin, that he took hell for them on the cross. The Ephesian church, they put their faith in that, and in that moment of faith, they became in Christ. They went from death to life, from dead to to alive, from captivity to free, 
to separate from God, to seated with Christ. Because of Christ, his death and his blood shed on the cross. And his resurrection was proof that the payment on the cross was accepted. Because Christ's resurrection conquered death. Death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? Paul says, there is none for those who are in Christ. They had put their faith in Christ's redemption on the cross, looking to his blood shed on the cross as a payment for their sin and looking to Christ's resurrection to give him the new life. Unless you think you can do or I think we can do anything to give ourselves life, notice how many times Paul references his in this passage. You see, going from death to life, from not raised to raised, is God's work. It's God's work. He says here, but because of his great love. It's not your love. It's not my love. We're dead without Christ. This is who we are. And so God in his great love to us, it's his love, he says. It's his mercy. It's his grace, he says in verse 5 and in verse 8. For it's by his grace. It's his kindness in verse 7. It's his gift. Even the faith that you have to believe Christ is given to you by God himself. Because you're dead. It's his giving. It's his gift. He does the bringing, not us. And he says it in verse 9, not by works so that no one can boast. It's all God all the time. And when they heard the gospel, when they heard the good news of the cross and the resurrection, that the payment had been paid for their sin, when they heard that, they put their lives at stake in that, in that truth. And in that moment, they were marked with the Holy Spirit. They became part of the family of God, set free from sin, going from without Christ to with Christ, without hope, with hope, without God, with God, separated from God, seated with Christ in the heavenlies, that's resurrection. That's new life. And that's what happened. You see, Jesus is the resurrection story. He's the resurrection story. But Paul writes to the Ephesian church and he says, you know what? You also have a resurrection story. You've also been made alive because of Christ. And you too tonight can have a resurrection story. If this is your present condition, it can become your past condition, and this can be your present position, just look to Christ and his redemption, his blood on the cross, and his resurrection, and putting your faith in him will make you alive with him. You see, Easter is all about resurrection. It's all about new life. Jesus has the resurrection story. The Ephesian church has a resurrection story. And some of you tonight, you have a resurrection story. This is who you are. Let's live that way. And when we get defeated and discouraged, remember who you are in Christ, not who you were. Live as you are in Christ. Christ. 